0: Thank you to our worship team. Great job leading us in worship all day today. And I know at Rossville, uh, you're blessed at Rossville today. This, you don't know this, but Denny and his team led worship here at 8 o'clock. And then they went to Rossville and led worship at Rossville just now. And so I know y'all were blessed by Denny being there. Because we're all blessed anytime Denny's anywhere near us. So uh, that's how we think about him. So, hey, take your Bibles and hold on to them. And I'm going to go all throughout the Bible today. So I'd, what, what helped better today is maybe take a sheet of paper Pencil, even some kind of tablet or something, take a few notes on, and I'm going to put all the Bible verses up here. I'm, I'm kind of winding down on this series. I'm actually going to do a couple more weeks uh, of the ultimate guide to the Christian life, how to elevate your walk with God. And, and I won't rehash all of it, but for the sake of those who are watching for the first time or in the room for the first time, we're talking about how to elevate your walk with God, how to, how to get to that spot where we feel like God's talking to our hearts, we have a deep relationship with God, an abiding relationship with God, but you don't just jump there, you have to get there, and you get there through some of the disciplines in the Christian life, and we've been talking about those, Some things just have to be true in the Christian life for us to get there. So we've talked about prayer and, and Bible and time, all sorts of things. Go back and listen to the sermons on our app if you haven't. But today I want to talk about this, something most people don't think about as a discipline. I want to preach on joy and preach on this subject, more joy than you know what to do with. And I know some of you think automatically, what well, preacher, I'm just trying to get enough joy to get through the day, let alone enough joy. I know, and I want us to talk about that. So there are things about joy that we as believers in Jesus need to know, because joy is an issue in the Christian life, like really the amount of joy that we have, we we read the Bible verses that that say uh, joy, but sometimes we don't really resonate with that, we don't connect with that, because we're like, well, if you knew my life, I get it, and so I want to talk to us about that today, and I want to kind of lead us along, And, and I'm going to give you some facts about joy that I think just help you in your joy walk as a believer. Many of you have read the book, you had to read it in high school or college, college. Charles Dickens, The Tale of Two Cities. He he starts off the book uh, with this line, which is an epic classic line. And m- most of you know the first uh, few words, whether you know the rest of it or not. But he said it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the epic of belief, it was epic the epic of incredulity. I can't say that. I can't say it all morning. I've been getting help with it and I can't get it out. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. That line came to my mind as I was studying my Bible. I went back and inserted this into my notes at another time because I thought that's a little bit of 2020, right a little bit of 2020 is it is the spring of hope it is the it is the winter of despair. like we came into 2020 and it was going to be the spring of hope and it wound up a little bit being the winter of despair. not everything 2020 didn't turn out to be exactly what we thought it would be. as a matter of fact, in 2020 we've had uh, our uh, our certainties in life stripped away and if we're not careful, all of that uncertainty will strip away our hope, it'll strip away our joy, our happiness, and it leaves us with an overwhelming overwhelming feeling of fear and even anxiety and despair. Now, I'll be honest, before COVID, anxiety was on the rise. Before COVID, we were kind of already entering a winter of despair. Research tells us that even before COVID, anxiety in Americans increased every year from 2008 to 2008. 18 among uh, american adults and that that seven percent of adults and 15 percent of young adults reported uh anxiety in 2018 but get this anxiety increased most rapidly among young adults 18 to 25 years old now all of that was going on pre-covid and then you enter in a pandemic and here's what recent research has said about anxiety that 35% of adults in the Household Pulse Survey reported symptoms, symptoms of anxiety disorder this July. You say, well, what do we compare that to? Well, the first half of 2019, 8% reported that, 8%. So we've gone from... 8% feeling anxiety to 35%, more than a third of Americans have this sense of anxiety and fear in our lives. And look, that's, that's us, that's you, that's me, that's we all at times in our life have this anxiety in our lives and sometimes it just helps me deal with things if I can put a definition on what I'm feeling if I can name what I'm feeling and so I thought I'd give you a good definition of anxiety and fear I found this and I think it's great fear is typically a reaction to a certain immediate threat that's fight or flight uh, impulse we have but anxiety is a prolonged state of worrying about anticipating an uncertain harm, like we we have this. We get in these modes where we we're we're, we're we're just for a long time we're in a state of worry and dread and anxiety about something that may or may not happen. And the truth is, most of the time it doesn't happen, but it still makes the anxiety very very real. And now we're in 2020. And there's a whole new uh, disorder to worry about. And I read it this week, and I have to share it with you because it's absolute and accurate thing. And it's a real thing. Like, I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. And the uh, psychiatrists are calling it this, election stress disorder. Dude, I have election stress disorder. Like, I quit watching the news 10 years ago. I literally don't watch the news at all. Don't watch it. But, like, I, I, I'm, I'm finding myself leaning back in because I got election stress disorder. And psychiatrists have defined it as this, here are the symptoms of it, constantly refreshing social media. So if you're like me, you're on Twitter, which is really a news platform, not, uh, you know, I'm always reading the latest and stuff about the news, and they say, here, here's another symptom, reading news alerts to anyone who will listen is another symptom of election stress disorder. And then this is legit, like this is serious. The, another uh, symptom they said is having a deep emotional reaction to swing state polling, <laughs> I See, you You may not have it, but I have it. I know every swing state, and I know which way they're leaning. As a matter of fact, I just checked, and if you look at the swing states, Biden, it, no, I better move on, I better move on. Like, I know, I'm checking them. Like, I didn't have to search for that. I knew, I got it bookmarked on my, t- I know where to go. And so now we have all of this stress going on, and now we have election stress disorder. And I should tell you, I mean, let's just be honest, just us girls, here and a few thousand people online right like it's in a it's a real it's a real deal a lot of stress and anxiety in our lives For the child of God, a constant state of depression, discouragement, and anxiety is not what the Christian life is about. So many people think the Christian life is about boring or dull or lifeless or even discouraging and depressing. If that's you, you have the wrong view of the Christian life. It was never, ever meant to be that way. Our lives in Christ are meant to be lived out joyfully. And I just want to be honest, you will never, ever elevate your walk with God in a state of anxiety and despair. And I, 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 know, I, I hear your feedback. And some of you are thinking, if he just knew how messed up my life was, well, I, I get it. I get it. So can I help you through that today? Can, I, can we look into the Bible and can just tell you four facts about, uh, about joy that you just need to be aware of? And when you're aware of it, it'll help you have a better life of joy. So let me tell you four things about joy. Number one, I want to tell you this, that joy ought to be the norm. Here's what here's what Jesus said in John 1010. 10, a thief. Now when he says a thief, he's talking about our enemy. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Lucifer. He, here's what he said. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, he said, that you might have life and might have it in abundance. Now here's what Jesus was trying to tell us. The thing about Jesus is the norm for the Jesus life should be a life of joy. Meaning this, that if you know Jesus, here's what Jesus has done. He's brought you life in abundance. So the norm for the Christian life is a life of joy. A norm for not the Christian life is life of misery. He defines it as steal, kill, and destroy. So here's what Jesus was trying to say. If you're not a Christian, the norm for your life, for the enemy, is loss, death, and destruction. What do you mean? You let the enemy into your family, he brings loss, death, and destruction. You let him into your finances, he brings loss, death, and destruction. You let him into your emotional life, your spiritual life, your mental life. Listen, all he knows, all he can do is life, death, loss, death, and destruction. But then you have Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to say is life in abundance has inherent in it joy. And he's trying to say that if you if you if you if you're with me, you have life and joy and abundance. You have Jesus in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your emotions, in your spirit, in your mind. Jesus brings life and joy. The enemy drives it out, but Jesus brings it. Now, it's interesting, the Greek word here for abundance is the Greek word parison, and here's what it means, that which goes beyond necessity, that which is more than enough. It literally means over the top, or here's what it means, more than you know what to do with. Jesus said, here's the deal, that if you know me, I will bring you life and joy so much so that you you don't know what to do with all the joy I'm bringing you and I know I hear you you're thinking well wait preacher that's not exactly me I get it but Jesus said the norm for life with me is joy beyond your wildest dreams and here's the deal it comes pre-packaged with salvation you don't get saved and then have to have a second experience of joy in your life you get it when you get Jesus and the great thing about it is it ought to be the norm when you get Jesus joy is included. You, if you're a parent, you're a parent, grandparent. You've had this happen to you at Christmas, right? You, you go to. We used to go to um, Toys R Us. You may remember Toys R Us. Anybody remember Toys? R Us? I love Toys R Us. We'd get our kids stuff for Christmas and me a new PlayStation while we were there. I love Toys R Us. I hate that they're not around anymore, but I love Toys R Us. And so. We go to Toys R Us and you get your kids the latest, greatest toy. You know, the one that all their friends are not going to get because their parents didn't go out in time to get it. But you got it. You were there in August getting it. You know, like you've got it. And and it's a great toy. It's going to make Christmas. All Christmas morning, the the video camera is going to be pointed directly at this present. And it, it normally lights up or it's something digital or it makes a noise or it moves or something. You glance at the toy while you're at Walmart or wherever you're at, you glance at it and you see pictures of batteries on the back of it, right? Like you see the picture there. So you take it home and and you think it's got batteries in it. You take it home and it's 1 a.m. Christmas morning and you're doing your Christmas layout, you know, getting everything set up and ready to go. And while you're doing your Christmas layout, you've got everything that's out, but you're saving this for last because it's going to be big. You're going to set it up. It's going to be nice. And you open it up and you look and it does have pictures of the battery on the back but right next to the picture you ever had this happen to you right next to the picture of the battery it says batteries not included well I want to know why is there a picture of the of the battery on the back of it if they're not included why did not you put an x through it you put a picture of the battery on the back of it and said not included I will absolutely sue you for doing that He's only got about three choices now, right? I, here, here's, here's all your choices you can come up with. You put everything back in the box, put it back together, you wrap it up, you let your kid open it, and then you say, oh, there's no batteries, I can't believe they didn't do that, we'll get you some, and that's not a good idea, that's a very disappointing Christmas. Or you take them all out of your smoke alarms and fire alarms and just pray that nobody strikes a match in the middle of the night, right? You don't know. Or at 1 a.m. you get in your car and drive around for two hours looking for a stop and rob that still has batteries on the shelf. None of those are good ideas. You absolutely got tricked. When they put a picture of a battery on the back of that thing, That you, it tricked you. It advertised one thing, but it delivered something else. And hey, can I tell you, here's the truth about life. The enemy will put a picture of joy on every single thing he paddles. Every temptation he's trying to lure you in with, he'll put a picture of joy on it. Every sin he's trying to lure you in with, he'll put a picture of joy on it. Walking away from Jesus, he'll put a picture of joy on it, and he'll say to you, man, you know so-and-so, he's so happy. If you'll, if you'll just give in to the same temptation he gave in to, her, your life will be as happy as hers. Your life will be as happy as his, and he's lying to you because the people he's telling are Miserable. And what he delivers is not joy, but heartache, misery, death, loss, destruction. You can't help with the enemy. Misery is included. He'll paint a picture of the battery on the, back of the, on the back of the temptation of joy, on the back of the temptation, but there's no joy there. It actually is a picture of joy and says not included. But with Jesus, with Jesus, joy is The norm, joy, is included. And the closer you get to God, the more joy you'll find in your family life, in your church life, in your spirit life, in your emotional life. And I want to tell you, if you don't have joy, something is wrong because the norm is joy with Jesus. Joy is included and I, I know i'm talking to people here today and online and at rossville who you're like well oh, preacher that's a harsh thing to say. i'm just telling you that pre-packaged with salvation is the opportunity to have abundant overflowing more than i could ever use joy thank you and before you get hung up on that let me tell you the second thing let me move you on because this is going to help you deal with point number one is fact number two Joy doesn't mean the absence of pain. And this is where we get confused. James 1, 2, and 3 says this. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, let me go back and read a little slower. Consider it a great joy whenever you experience various trials, heartaches, disappointments, difficulty. Hardships, huh? For the child of God, we get confused on the subject of joy, because we have the idea that joy means all of our circumstances will always be great. Like everybody will like me, nobody will hate me. That just life smells like a gardenia blossom, and everything is great. That's not joy. That's not joy. And if you're, if you have in your mind that joy is getting everything perfect in your life, you have the wrong view of joy. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. We're so confused. We think joy is an emotional state of being. It's not what the Bible will tell you. Joy is a mental decision of the will. Joy is not an emotional state of the be, uh, of our uh, uh, of feelings. Joy is a mental decision of our will. And so see, what happens is most people are sitting around waiting on joy to magically happen to them. Like God is going to wave his magic joy wand or Gabriel or, or the preacher. Somebody's going to wave a magic joy wand and make me joyful. What the Bible teaches is that regardless of our circumstances, we have to decide to be joyful. Because our circumstances aren't always going to dictate joy. In our lives, that's what James is trying to tell us. This first word here in the Greek, the word "consider," is an opening command. It's a verb that says to it, it, it's, let's get this. It's a verb of thought rather than a verb of emotion. So this this verb is not it's not telling you how to feel. It's telling you how you could think. There's some translations that translate it "reckon," which sounds like a country word, but it's not. The word "reckon" was an accounting word, which meant to tally everything up and then decide. And so it was, a, it was a mental process. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you have got to sit down and decide that you're going to have joy whenever you're going through difficult times. It is a decision. Why? Because sometimes, or can we say most of the time, your circumstances aren't going to be good enough to produce joy. And it could be God is doing something in your life to grow you as a person or as a believer. And in the midst of those difficult circumstances, you're going to have to have joy anyway, and your will is going to have to override your emotions. Because there are times in our lives, right, when our emotions are trying to control your life, but you have to put your mind and your will in the driver's seat. I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge it. It happened, right? It's one of those weekends for Georgia sports, right? It's just one of those weekends. We we have these weekends from time to time, don't we? Like, I don't know if you follow. I'm a Braves fan, Bulldog, Falcons. I, I like Georgia sports, and it's just one of those weekends. Braves lost two in a row when it matters. Georgia Tech lost yesterday like 185 to 7. I mean, that, that thing just, <laughs> my television just put an infinity score where Clemson, I don't even know what score was, just like an infinity and. And then Bulldogs lost last night. And I just want to be honest with you Falcons will lose a day and the Braves will lose a night. That's just the way it goes. That's the way, it, if, you, if you're new to Georgia, welcome to Georgia sports. If you're not watching in Georgia, I'm, I'm glad for you. Everybody else has done better than us but Cleveland, I think. And other than that, we're, it's just the way things are. And so I, I wouldn't bring this up, but we're all depressed anyway, right? Because who, th- does anybody remember Super Bowl 51? I mean, Atlanta scored 21 points before New England had scored three. And at halftime, it was 21 to three. And then about five minutes left to go in the third quarter, it was 28 to three. And then New England scored 20. Oh, by the way, when I say New England, you should say boo. Let's try it again. And then New England scored. Thank you. Thank you. New England scored 25 unanswered points and tied it up at the end. And then they obviously they won the coin toss for for overtime because that's the way our, our stuff goes. And, and so then they marched down the field and scored a Super Bowl. And They said that after the game, New England had either had broken 30 team and individual Super Bowl <laughs> records. And they still talk about the 28-3 to thing today. And uh, the following day, all the media said it was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. That is only true if you're on that one side of the ball. Like, that, that is not true for all of us, right? You say, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about that for? Because in the third quarter of that game, you can go back and look on my Facebook from back then. Third quarter of that game, my wife was posting, we were living out in Atlanta at the time. My wife was posting videos of me and Josh jumping up and down in our living room and, you know, spiking lamps and all that stuff. We were having a great time in the living room. Like, it it was so good. Like, I remember, because I'm, I'm a little superstitious. I, I'm... I'm I'm, 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 I'm not superstitious, I'm just a little stitious, right? And, and so, uh, I, 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 but I won't say anything about it, but I remember to myself five minutes left to go in the third quarter, I won't even go back and look at it. I tweeted out something about our lead and then they scored a touchdown immediately after that and I'm like, I, I, I blew it, I've, I've blown it. They're gonna lose because of me because I, I, I got cocky and I said something about it. But anyway, she's posting, she's posting videos on Facebook. Third quarter. Fourth quarter, she's hiding the matches because I'm trying to burn the house down in the fourth quarter. <laughs> like literally in the fourth quarter, it, 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 I was emo. Like I was like, I wanted to burn something down. I, I mean, we had insurance, so it wasn't a big deal. I mean, like you got insurance, and so it's burn the house down. And by the way, we will need to edit that before it goes out this week because uh, I'm obviously my house burns tonight. I did not do it. If the Braves lose, I did not do it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I whew, gotta watch what you say, Joel. So um, my emotions said, burn the house down. My will said, why don't you sleep on it overnight and see if you still want to do it in the morning. <laughs> the immediate reaction to the painful circumstances, had I let my emotions dictate how I reacted, it would have been a poor reaction. Sometimes your mind... Your will has to override your feelings. Now listen, you're going to be in some upsetting, painful, hurtful, hard circumstances. I can't show, God, you can't, here's what Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust, right? Bad things happen to everybody. Everybody. And your emotions are going to tell you, burn the house down. Joy is impossible. Give up on life. But you've got to do what James said. You've got to stop and you've got to say, look, I am going to make joy a decision of my mind and of my will. I've got some things to be joyful about. I'm going to count those. I am saved and going to heaven when I die. I do have the Holy Spirit in my heart. I am blessed by God no matter how it feels today. And maybe God's just trying to do a great work in me. On and on it goes. Some of you need to do is let your mind lead. Because joy is never going to be the absence of pain. You've got to learn to have joy when you are hurting some of you here today and you are hurting and your circumstances are bad and I agree with you your circuit listen to me you have a you got a friend right here I get it your circumstances are bad I'd be crushed if I were in your situation you say well then great how do I have joy it has to be a decision of the will not of the emotions or feelings of your life because joy is never going to be the absence of pain can I tell you this can I tell you this I know plenty of people, and this has been true of you. I want you to admit it, not out loud, but in person. It's been true of you, and if you're watching online, it's been true of you. Listen, everything has been right in your life before, and you still didn't have joy. There's some of you here today, you, you don't have joy in your life, and everything is okay. Because you think a joy is a feeling, and it's not joy is a decision you can make with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life you say well I, how does that work well let me give you the third thing the third fact you need to know about joy is that Jesus is joy and this is not this is not hyperbole of the Christian life this is truth look what the psalmist said in Psalm 16 you, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant we see that word again abundant joy At your right hand are eternal pleasures. In your presence is abundant joy. Now, you can't miss the fact I'm talking about joy for the Christian. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're watching today, you're not a Christian, I I don't have a word for you. I have a word for you at the end of the sermon. Hang on, I'm going to get to you but we have something the rest of the world doesn't have, and that's Jesus. And here's what the psalmist is trying to tell us, that in the presence of Jesus, joy is abundant. That means at least three things that I can figure. Number one, the closer you are to Jesus, the more you're going to have joy. Now, let me give you this word abundance. I love it. In the Hebrew, the word abundance means satiated, which is the word that describes when you're Filled with food and satiated means that your palate is filled, like your taste buds are happy, and that your stomach is happy, like you are full. uh, uh Your taste buds, like they're like rejoicing, like you ate a bag of Doritos, and then your 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 stomach is filled, like you just you know ate su- sustenance, and so it is satiated. It is you are full, you are satisfied. And here's what he said: that when you're in the presence of Jesus. You, you have the joy. You are satisfied to the point of joy. You get away from God, you'll lose it, by the way, because only in his presence. Second thing that tells me is the more time you spend in his presence, the more joy you'll have. Right? some of you some of us struggle sometimes with joy and it's because we've drifted away from God and spending time with him every day and the more time you spend with him the more joy you're going to have and the third thing that tells me is this is that corporate worship will enhance your joy. Here's what I mean. I want to tell you, if you're watching online, we man, we get it. We, we we love having online church, and we think it's a valuable tool, and we were going to do it anyway for people who are traveling, sick, and all that, and so we get it. There's some of you that don't need to be here, that you need to be home and be safe, but can I tell you this? Can, can we talk about pre-COVID times like before COVID? Corporate worship is important. It, it, God didn't design the Christian life to operate through cameras we're thankful for them thank i mean i watched when i was on vacation the day i watched nathan preach and the music i'm watching i watched two services that day ourselves. like we we're thankful for it but if you just go pre-covid some of you didn't have any joy and you were too hit and miss with god's house to have joy because see there's nothing like being in his presence together with people who love jesus And if your joy is low, you might need a little more Jesus, or more accurately, he might need a little bit more time with you. Jesus is joy. So let me tell you the fourth fact we know about joy, and I'm done. Number four, don't wait for joy. Work for joy. Look what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, or be joyful always. Pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Follow it. Three commands. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything. Here's the odd thing about that verse. These are imperative commands. Do you know what that means? It means it's an order. You are ordered to have joy. Rejoice always means to be in a joyful state continually. We're commanded to be joyful. And you think, well, it's a tough command. Well, he follows it up with some helps for it. And he said, all right, you want to do this, then do this. Pray constantly and be grateful. Pray constantly and be grateful. I'm winding down. Let me me tell you this. I read this this week. The Harvard Health, University of Harvard, Harvard Health, did a study on happiness and joy. And and they they put together three groups of people. And they told one group of people, we want you to, uh, every week, write down things you're grateful for that happened to you during the week. They took a second group of people and they said, we want you to write down things that irritated you during the week, and they told the third group of people, we want you to write down things that impacted you during the week, so write three groups of people, Uh, the things you're grateful for, the things that irritated you, and the things that impacted you, neither good nor bad, just whatever impacted you, and so it was a 10-week study, and at the end of 10 weeks, the gratitude group, they were more optimistic, felt better about their lives, exercised more, and went to the doctor less, can you believe that? more optimistic, felt better about their lives, exercised more, and went to Dr. less. So here's what that tells me. Emotionally, mentally, and physically, gratitude produced joy in their lives. More than complaining or not having gratitude. You say, why do you tell us that? Because you may have to work for joy a little bit. You may need to pray for joy. You may need to gratitude your way for joy because here's the average person we're we're sitting around in our bubble of misery saying God make me happy if you can I'll be right here when you want to strike me with the bolt of joy but I doubt you can do it because my life's miserable but good luck and God might say instead of waiting for joy How about getting up and working for joy? How about spending some time talking to me and letting me tell you what I'm trying to do in your life that's got you in this situation? How about loving me even when everything's not going well? How about telling me what you're thankful for instead of complaining about what you don't have? And when you go through that process of working for it a little bit, you're shocked. Joy shows up. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. Randy Alcorn, who's a Christian author, wrote a book on joy. And in it, he cited a Duke University study. That Duke University studied happiness. And here's what Duke found out. That happiness was fostered by eight different factors. And he listed them. Let me, let me show you what they are. No, number one was this, was avoiding suspicion and resentment. Here's what Duke found out. That if you have a grudge, you will not be happy. End of story. You cannot have keep grudges in your life and be a happy person. Number two, they found out not living in the past, that if you're preoccupied with your past mistakes, you'll not have joy. Number three... That not wasting time and energy fighting conditions that cannot be changed. People are happier when they cooperate with life instead of trying to run from everything. Number four, staying involved with the living world. That uh, people who are recluses and withdraw themselves always score lower on happiness scale. Number five, uh, refusing to indulge in self-pity when handed a raw uh, deal. Here's what happy people understand. It rains on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to me, bad things happen to me. Good things happen to you, bad things happen to you. You know what that's called? Tuesday. That's called life. Right? And you've met people who, who, whatever's happened to them is the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. You've met those people, right? And sometimes you have to say, you know what? It, it, it rained on the just. It rained. It, like, we all have this stuff in our lives. We do. Number six. Cultivating old-fashioned virtues like love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Makes sense. Number seven, not expecting too much of yourself. Like realistic expectations. Number eight, finding something bigger to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest, always. Score lowest on the happiness measurements. Always. So Randy Alcorn said this. He said, I looked at this Duke University study, and here's what I realized. There is, there are Bible verses all of these things like all duke did was stumble into what god's already told us in his word but here's the kicker all of these require a little bit of work on your part a little bit joy's not just going to hit you out of the blue you're just not going to wake up tomorrow more joyful than you are today you're going to have to know this that joy ought to be the norm for your life and joy doesn't mean no more pain. It means choosing joy in the midst of the pain. And it means getting a little closer to Jesus. Because he's where the joy come from, comes from. And it may mean I'm going to have to work for it a little bit. I mean, I'm going to sit around and wait on it. I'm, I'm going to work for it a little bit. Instead of sitting around hoping, hey, good word here. Hoping something or someone else makes me joyful. Never works. Never works. I'm going to decide to be joyful and I'm going to work for it a little bit. May take a little prayer. May take a little gratitude. May need to get rid of some grudges in my life. May need to let go of some bitterness. I'm going to work for it. Just stand with me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Hey, if you're watching online, hang with me for five more minutes. We'll be finished. If you're a Christian, wherever you are, would you bow your heads and just pray silently right where you are? But if you're here, online at Rossville, or even in this room and you're not a Christian, would you look directly at me? I mean, just look me eyeball to eyeball because I want to tell you, Jesus is joy. And if you don't know Christ as your savior, you, you you're just, you're swimming against the current. It's never going to work, but you can be a Christian today. You can be saved today. Know that Christ is in your life and heaven is your home. It's as simple as this. I have it on the screen, ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. And you cannot save yourself. We've all had to do that. You can't earn your way to heaven or work your way to heaven. B, believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again the third day. We call that the gospel. You have to believe it today. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you're at home, Rossville, or here at Rock Spring, you can do that right now. If you'd like to become a Christian today, bow your heads and pray a prayer something like this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I can't earn my way into heaven, but I know Christ has already paid the price when he died on the cross and rose again. So just now invite Christ into my life to save me, forgive me of my sin, and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer, everybody else heads bowed. But if you prayed that prayer. Look here. Here's what I want you to do. You are born again. If you prayed that prayer and trusted Jesus as your Savior, it's not the prayer that saves you, but the intent of your heart was to give your life to Christ. And if you just did that, I want you to take your phone and text I did to the number ninety seven thousand. If you're watching this at any time later in the future, we'll always respond to that. I did to ninety seven thousand, and we want to send you a booklet in the mail that tells you the next steps to take in the Christian life. We're just gonna send you that booklet so you know what to do or otherwise you're gonna be frustrated. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Mary, measure your joy. Do you have more joy than you know what to do with? Or are you struggling with joy just a little bit? Chances are you're struggling a little bit. So many of us. So I'm gonna ask you to be honest. Be honest whether you're watching somewhere else or whether you're in this room, how many of you just be honest with God? I need you to be honest with yourself and with God, not with me, yourself and God. How many of you would say, hey, I'm struggling a little bit with joy? Would you raise your hand, hold it up, just say, make the testimony. Thank you, thank you, thank you, all over the building. Like, that's the norm. That's the norm. Now, our staff is going to be down here at the front. They're at these tables at the front called Next Steps. If you have a question about baptism, joining our church, becoming a Christian, they're there for you. Or hey, this morning if you just need somebody to pray with you, if you they're, they're here for you, they want to pray with you, Just come you can come down right now, as a matter of fact, you don't have to wait. They'll be here about five minutes after the service. Just come down and tell them, hey, I, I need somebody to pray with me or I, I, need to, I need to join the church and be baptized or I want to talk about becoming a Christian. They'll answer any questions you have. But I want to pray for you because, look, I, I'm 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 with you, I'm, I'm human. Like I'm saying, bad things happen to me. I don't go, yay, bad thing happened to me today. That's awesome. We all have to decide to have joy. We all have to work for joy. When, when, when nothing seems to be working, I, I always say to myself, maybe I need to spend a little more time with God and a little more time with Jesus Because I know in his presence, I get satisfied with joy in my life. I'm going to pray that for you today. And I'm going to pray that when you turn your screen off or when you leave this building, you start that journey of having joy in your life. Because that's the norm. Father, thank you that we understand. The enemy brings hurt and misery and death and loss. But in your presence is abundant joy. And we know it in our minds, but our hearts forget it sometimes when circumstances get bad. So remind us today, remind us. Remind us in our minds and remind us in our hearts that in the presence of Jesus, there is joy. Help us decide to have joy. Help us to work for joy and help us to get closer to you. And don't let us fall for the enemy who when we're in that depressed, discouraged state, dangles his death and destruction in front of us that has a joy label on it. Please let us be smarter and wiser than that. May the Holy Spirit warn us and give us joy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.